is there and the way they play them. What about Peter O'Mahony? I just oh, exceptional. a sensational performance. Yeah. Jack O'Donoghue and Hodnett, the three of them in the back row. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. That performance was just lacked that intensity. Uh, OTBAM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. The uh, Gillette Performance Labs are a different thing, which have yet to be invented. But we've, we've done our best this morning to invent a new thing for you. So welcome. I think you use like every constellation of words involved in that sentence to deliver something different. Like um, at least it's not the Gillette Power Rankings this morning for once. It is the Performance Rankings. We did this every Monday morning, even though today's a Tuesday because it was a bank holiday. Uh, uh, we're, we're still on bank holiday. Where you, we go through uh, the red, the amber and the green from uh, the weekend sport. Uh, we usually start in the red, which is exactly what we're going to do this morning. And Kildare Yeres, it says there, is in the red. You are essentially in the red this morning, and it's high time. Feels somebody comfortable, co- feels pretty good, Owen. Somebody called you out on this. You've had Mick O'Dwyer in your county, you've had Jack O'Connor in your county, and you have learned nothing. You decided last week was going to be the week that you played the error card. You can only play the error card once in a season. That really? is the rule. That can is the only, rule. Is no, it? Nobody, trusts you. nobody trusts you. You can do it once a year, and people like it goes 11 months, and people forget that you're up to something. But you can only do it once a year. And you used it on Louth. Uh, granted, they'd scored five goals the previous week. And I do believe that there was some genuine nervousness in, in your voice last week. But by and large, you were trying to cut us and uh, you sold us a pup. And anybody who thought that this was going to be a contest wasn't going to be a contest. And I ask you, who is the real powerhouse in Leinster? Which is the better result? A 16-point win against Division Three champions or a 23-point win against a team who couldn't get out of Division Four? It was pretty impressive. You have to say, there was uh, two things in this, right? First one is history matters, right? When you're watching Mayo kick wides, you just believe that it's because that's what that's who Mayo are. When you're watching Kilkenny come back from the dead, it's because you believe that's what Kilkenny are. For Kildare, being super hyped and very confident and running into the buzzsaw of Laos in the championship, it, history mattered. That's why, so all this, this wasn't Yera, this was just a, a deep understanding of our, our place in football history and that is to get very very excited to lose the run of ourselves a la Mayo I mean people forget that Kildare in the 90s were the original Mayo I just want to say that like we we had that whole uh, most hyped most patronised role in football with maybe a little bit that uh, poor Mayo had um, because of the brawl in the middle of it but we started the decade and finished the decade in the 90s and then they took over like essentially people kind of forgot about us until McGinney arrived. And then when McGinney arrived, we were on TV every single game. Every single game they played, particularly every first round exit from the Lancer Championship. So things have changed. That's all. I feel pretty good about the fact that things have changed. That first 10, 15 minutes where we kicked like 10 points, 10 beautiful points. Muscular running, uh, brilliant support lines, confidence. No real bad wides, touch wood. It was pretty impressive stuff. You've got to be excited. Like absolutely, I only saw the highlights and didn't see the full thing. But looking forward to seeing them play in Croke Park in those wide open spaces that this team could actually potentially love. White boots. A few weeks time. Get everybody white boots. Is Go that Finn wearing white boots at the moment? There was a couple of there was a couple of white boots. Feely had white boots as well. Like, right. Yeah, 
Yeah, give us the white boots. Feely taking the penalty like a proper soccer player. Yeah. Not even a, not in doubt. Flynn looks amazing at the moment. He looks like a, on a like an old 2018. He gets his all star, doesn't he? And and like it's very very hard to get back to that level again. And uh, in terms of what you're expecting, but it just feels that like some of the younger forwards playing alongside him have kind of inspired this guy into a whole other level. I think the same, like there's a bit of a mirror image there with Dublin. I think when you look at their forward line and you insert Conor Callaghan back into that forward line, everybody sort of kind of perks up a little bit and is like, okay. This is, this is first of all going to allow me a little bit more space and a little bit less attention from the opposition defence. And also I think the sort of looking around at the players beside you and saying, right, I'm no longer carrying this team, which might have been maybe Daniel Flynn's perspective for a while. There are players here who have a ceiling similar to mine, like obviously Highlands, Kerwin, uh, like Paddy Woodgate come off the bench. I think he's been really good during the league and he's looking around at that inside forward line and saying, uh, this is actually something that I want to be a part of and I think that we can actually take down a big fish this year. It, I don't think it's going to be Dublin. I think Dublin, looks like we're being genuine here, I think looked outstanding on, on uh, Saturday and conceding four points over the course of 75 minutes or whatever it was, it, regardless of who you are, I think that for me just here marks them as almost automatic Leinster champions. But it's still a game I want to watch. I still want to see yeah. till they're against Dublin in the Leinster final and I know it, we're not, we still have to go through the semi-finals before we get there. But I think the performances we saw at the weekend, I would be surprised if that's not the final. Um, yeah, look, uh, Kildare will be favourites, strong favourites against Westmeath. Westmeath will cause them difficulties, have caused them a lot of difficulties, should have beaten them in the championship. Um, was it last year? That was last year? Have I forgotten about uh, Did I miss a year with COVID? It was last year. Um, so, like, really should have beaten them in the championship last year. So it won't be as easy as the game against Laos turned out to be. But uh, they look confident and they look like they've really benefited from the change in style, the change in ambition that the current management group have obviously instilled in them and a set of unity and a sense of purpose. So I think that they could cause some um, some very good teams a lot of hassle this year. Uh, it is a, a Tuesday morning. We tend to update the football power rankings on a Tuesday morning. We're not doing that. Uh, Where today. would they be now? Front uh, page? Kildare. Well, front page news? Actually, I actually don't know. Kildare. Where would they be? Possibly front page news. You can't... You can, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the Division 3 champions, you've got to give them... The form line is pretty good for Louth. Yeah. Well, I, th- so. I, I do think the story of the weekend, though, power rankings-wise, would be Dublin in at number two, right? I think it's very hard to... Well, I think the story of the weekend is going to be Derry on the front page, right? Derry on the front page and Tyrone being moved... Uh, off the front page? Not off the front page. They could be. Not off the front page. I think... I think look, I, I was slow to this. Very slow. I, th- I thought that Tyrone were going to be okay... But we weren't slow to Derry. We've been tipping Derry at 50 to 1, saying that's a great bet all year. That's good value. There's no value to be had in this, except that might be good value. They could go on a run. And here they are. They're on the run with uh, Monaghan, who were handy also, kicking 22 points or whatever it was they kicked at the weekend to come the next round. So, Yeah, Monaghan also a, a team, it looks like, that are just benefiting from a bit more of uh, unpredictability in attack, where Conor McManus can still do Conor McManus things. But it's also like, oh, who's this big hulking full forward, Gary Mohan, that they have that uh, is causing us to think a little bit more about uh, more than just one player. And obviously Jack McCarran, if he can put together like a good championship, then the Monaghan are going to be a contender in an All-Ireland sense. And uh, I think we we all know that in Ulster, they're they're always a contender. Like, from Tyrone's perspective, like, we we can't say last week that we called this, like Tommy Rudy called it on Friday in the Quick Picks. One of his arguments was that Shane McGuigan was missing for like the latter stages of the league, which I thought was a tangible piece of evidence. But for me, there wasn't enough other 
tangible pieces of evidence to suggest that this result was actually going to happen because yes, we had the Tyrone departures and that of course is going to have an impact given we saw what happened to maybe Dublin last year when their depth uh, dwindled a little bit. But I just hadn't seen any evidence of that in the scoreboard. And to be honest with you, in some of the performances, we actually hadn't seen it. Like their last performance of the league was uh, winning Killarney. Look, they were a bit patchy against Fermanagh, but it was not a bad performance for, in an overall sense for their first performance of the league. I, I did not see this coming from Tyrone. Uh, Derry obviously sparked into life and they were a team that we were talking about quite a lot during the league. But I didn't think that there was a, enough of a Derry uptick and enough of uh, a Tyrone decline for this result to happen, let alone for it to happen in the manner in which it did, where they were completely dismantled. Like Tyrone are the other team in uh, the red, by the way, this morning, which kind of like moves us nicely onto that. And for me, the most encouraging thing for a Tyrone supporter this week is that they were completely awful. They were like an absolute shambles at times, like kicking balls out over the sideline, kicking balls out over the end line, fisted efforts for points that barely make it into the goalkeeper's Ah. hands, like it almost bounces in front of the goalkeeper. Brian Kennedy just deciding to to kick out, Conor McKenna throwing a ball at a fella, like it's it's all like, I mean, uh, past evidence would almost suggest that this is all just part of the Tyrone plan. And when you see Fergal Logan coming out after the match being like, oh, we're really, really disappointed with that, you know, a lot of soul searching to be done. You're like, I don't trust you. I do not trust you one bit, Tyrone, for this to be the real Tyrone, except for the fact that there are all these departures. There were people saying, listen, this thing could fall to pieces eventually. That maybe this thing is real, but again, Miles has been talking about it. Not, it doesn't look good. We, he's going to join us in about an hour's time, so we talked to him then. But it didn't look good. It they did look like they looked like a rabble. Uh, they did not look like the All Ireland champions who, you know, we've been through this together. We understand. We we had the humiliation in Killarney last year. We had the COVID coming together. We had the kumbaya moment where we all got together and decided that we could do this thing. And then, you know, they see off. They see off that great young Kerry team. As lucky and all as that was. The the um Sun today, they do a debate every week. Uh, uh one one person argues yes, one person argue, argues no. The question this week was, was Tyrone's All Ireland win a fluke? And there's a strong case being made by somebody in the Sun this morning, yes, this was a fluky win. And you're like, I mean Jesus, they're not doing because I remember after the game last year somebody said to me uh, this Tyrone team aren't great are they this is a pretty handy All-Ireland for a team to win I was like no 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 look at the team I mean it feels really good those four there I mean look at the strength of depth they had McShane couldn't even get in the team and then you're like you're looking at that performance going what the hell happened last year how did, how did that team beat your carry for a start and then like <coughs> casually dismiss Mayo in the All-Ireland final how did it happen it's. Well, I, I do think that they were the best team in Ireland for those last few weeks of the the season. Like they were better than Kerry on the day, and they were, were they? better than Mayo. Were they? The f- <coughs> were they better than Kerry on the day? They won the game. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Was it a fluke that they won the All Ireland last year? Well, I, I think that I mean, at, at the very least they uh, performed at level above themselves uh, that no other team in that last four managed to do last year. Like, is, is it a fluke that they managed to, to get through those games? Like, I, I, accept I think the one piece of fortune that really went with them last year was actually in the Donegal game where there was a missed penalty and Michael Murphy getting sent off. And we saw on, Saturday, on Sunday, you know, the, the effect of a red card in a big Ulster Championship game. I think that was maybe the one piece of fortune that they had. Clifford. But like still, maybe... Clifford getting injured. Yeah. The, 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 like, Kerry no touching the final. ball on the ground. When, the, like, when it was easier to just kick the ball into the back of the net. Square ball, yeah. Yeah, it was, was there an off to the ground. I've, I've never watched that game back and I never will watch that game back. But that Tyrone performance, like... Uh, Kevin I, I, Coughlin's making the case that it was uh, it was a fluke. 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure I'd go that far. I, I think there was. I don't think they were the best. No, Kylian O'Connor from Mayo in the final to take that penalty. But I think that as a collective and as uh, as a unit. I think that they were the best team in the competition last year. And given the structure of the competition with no back door and a, f- a relatively compressed calendar, I think that there was a, a potential for a team like that to go on a bit of a run and, and overachieve to a, to a certain point. But like they got the very, very best out of themselves last year as opposed to getting fluky, I would have thought. Yeah, maybe. And maybe it's just hard to do that back-to-back. Like Tyrone have had problems in the past of going back-to-back and... Let's see how they do in the back. Like this, this the back row draw now is going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean they Mayo could get they, already in there. Well, they're going to get. We know they're going to get loud, right? Hot balls, hot balls, go go. Yeah, I like. I if Tyrone played Mayo in the morning, who who are you backing? I'm backing Mayo. Yeah, I'm backing everybody against Tyrone until they show me that they can come back from this. But what about the whole five week layoff? Is this not? I don't know about the whole five week layoff. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for a, a, a team in a bit of chaos like that? And what's the what two yellows, no suspension? No suspension, unless uh, back-to-back reds. But this first one doesn't count anymore. To be fair, which it doesn't. Uh, like uh, well, Brian Kennedy. Like it, w- it would be um, whoever is that solicitor who man- who could get Brian Kennedy off this would should become like a super solicitor uh, if they, they manage to get him off, like a, a barrister. QC uh, maybe. QC. Sorry, that's the, the exact term. Um, like uh, that, that's obviously quite bad. They're not going to be able to get him off with McKenna, but presume it's the same as always. Two yellows, you're not getting suspended, so they'll be close enough to full strength, assuming they've got a clean bill of health. And they had a long layoff last year for different reasons. And a chip and, on the shoulder. And a chip on their shoulder, and that chip is is getting bigger and bigger by the minute. So uh, I'm 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 uh, conscious. Granted, I'm looking at the evidence in front of my eyes and saying I don't believe that. I'm like uh, consciously discarding the very uh, the empirical evidence and saying that there could be a kick left in this team. But the thing is, if they get unlucky with a draw and a draw Mayo, as we just said, you're backing Mayo to win that game. Because Where will that game be? Would it, uh, is Croker the only fair place for that to be? Or is yeah. Clonus like... Yeah, it's got to be Croke Park, isn't it? Or Unless you so. do Brefney Park or something like that. Maybe there would be like an Ulster sort of. There would be notion that you know it's it's an Ulster ground. Yeah, they can't. Re- can they do the hide? Given Mayo played a lot of home games there. No, I think I think you have to. If it's Mayo at Rowan, I love how we're just inventing qualifier draws here. No. Uh, you, you have to. You have to put that game in Croke Park. Uh, there seems to be a bit of a bit of a commotion over the the Leinster semi-finals being in Croke Park. Uh, there was some talk that they weren't going to be earlier in the year, right? Yeah, and so it'd be Dublin, Meath, and Tullamore, or something like that, would it? I, I think so. Like I, I'm sure, I, like the, as a Kildare person, you're like, put us in Crow Park. Yeah, but Kildare West Meath can be in Crow Park, no problems. Yeah, it's just the, the Dublin home advantage. Like Dublin will be in Crow Park now for the rest of the year. Is is the other thing? Like I, I'm still interested to see how they. Like I, I was completely not blown away, but on, on Saturday night I was like, right, okay, this is this is absolutely sensational stuff from Dublin. Uh, you like you do get bogged down a little bit in the comparing scores with one another a bit too much. But I do think the Kildare results did actually kind of temper my getting carried away with Dublin a little bit because I'm like another county in, in Leinster just did that to another team, um, and on top of that, then like I think we made the argument during the league, and this could be totally wrong. Like we could be eating humble pie in a couple of weeks, but it did feel that Croke Park was not exactly the best place for this Dublin team to exist in the league, well, uh, given the, the wide open spaces. But the, well, now you've got like a full stadium, you've got a full hill, well, and that's and the whole point of a home ground that will, that will benefit them. But also they have a, a, a supposedly, uh, we will now see 
um, maybe a, a better version of Johnny Cooper or, or a better position for Johnny Cooper and a, more of a defensive system which is just completely absent in the league and when you don't have that system in Croke Park you can get exposed as maybe we saw from Mayo in the league final and we've seen from other teams in the past well but also Dublin are a different team now right everybody's fit yeah yeah, like it was just defensively that, that you would have had those issues about, but conceding four points in a single game of football is an absolutely remarkable tally. And they look angry. It was, it was an FU performance yeah. from Dublin on Saturday night. Like, and Brian Fenton was pretty clear in that afterwards, saying that you know, there, there was a bit of a, a chip in the shoulder from, from this Dublin team. And if they manage to maintain that over the next little while, it's just going to be a fascinating season. It's very hard. Like, I, I know Kildare won't want to hear it, but like, I, I just can't... I'd be very surprised if it's not Kerry Dublin in that semi-final um, on that side. And I, I do think it'll be closer than, than it was maybe two, three years ago in that Leinster final, if it is Dublin-Kildare. But I, I still, I'd still be backing them uh, pretty healthily. Yeah, you would back them to win the game, but like, it's going to be a game. We've been lying to ourselves that they're going to get games in Leinster... And then last year they kind of got a game and if they would have got games if everybody had a bit of more self-belief and confidence because last year the team was definitely stuttering. This year it looks like Kildare could give them a game. Yeah, yeah. And the like, spread will be four and a half, I would say, at the moment. Uh, the thing with Kildare as well then is if they obviously get to that Insta final then they'll only have one round of qualifiers to go through to get to the, to get to the quarterfinals. And like... That would be a good return for Kildare this year to be competitive in a, in a quarter-final because, like, I mean, if they lose the Leinster final and you're obviously up against one of the provincial winners if you get through to the, to the last eight and it's going to be a, an uphill task. But um, the fact you, that they're, they're on that side of the draw and, and didn't get Dublin in the semi-final obviously gives them a much better chance. I'd, I'd give them a chance against any of the um, provincial champions, I'd say with the exception of Kerry at this stage. You'd, you'd say that they'd be underdogs, but you'd give them a chance against any of the teams in Ulster, the two remaining teams in Connacht, no, yeah, like they're I, in those games. Yeah, no, oh, they're, they're in the games. Donegal, you put them up against Monaghan, you put them up against Derry. Whoever wins Ulster at this stage, Monaghan, whatever. I, I at Croke Park, I'm like, yeah, bring it on. They're in the games. I think the team that they would want to get maybe is is Ross Common if they beat Galway in the the Connacht final. That was another. Oh wait, I'd like to see them. I think they could. That was another eye catching uh, score for the weekend. Obviously, is uh, is the Ross Common tally. And like I mean, it's 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 one of the reasons why I guess the Talton Cup has been brought into play is these uh, fairly striking tallies that teams are putting up in the provincial championships, and it's like, what's the point of this? And I guess the one of the the themes that's emerged from the weekend is well, what's the point of the Talton Cup? Because a lot of people are now kind of hammering this, saying that well, people aren't going to hang around for this. One of the few dissenting voices to the, to the dissenting voices is actually Tony McEntee who seemed pretty happy that the Talton Cup was going to happen uh, when, when he was talking after Sligo's defeat at the weekend and um, he seems pretty excited for it on the other side of things you have I think a, a good handful of people now who've spoken publicly saying this thing isn't going to be this thing is not going to live up to any sort of hype because there isn't going to be any hype for it Well let, let's wait and see I think that there are definitely counties who will take it more seriously than others and the counties who do take it seriously in the long run might be the ones who make a leap forward we'll see uh, Mark says, in fairness, Tyrone beat four Division 1 teams to win last year's All-Ireland. think calling it a fluke is a bit harsh, in my opinion. Shane says, they had the toughest run in Ulster, Cavan, Donegal and Monaghan. And Shifty Lad wants to know, should Cody be in the red? Well, Cody is not in the red. but um, uh, So people are texting us in, by the way. It's part of our competition. OTBAM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Every week we're giving away a Gillette Labs shaving kit to be with the chance of winning just let us know who you think should make the performance rankings. 
the best place to enter is the off the ball Instagram page you'll see the comments box in our story but you can also this morning live enter by leaving a comment either on YouTube or using the hashtag OTBAM uh, Cody's not in the red Cody's kind of maybe in the amber is he on? Well, handshakes handshakes are in the amber today because all of the great handshakes of all time have been left in the wake of a handshake at the weekend while that handshake was really good so I can't really decide whether to put this in the good or the bad so it's in the amber so uh, I'm sure people have been looking forward to this but needless to say I've put together my top seven favourite handshake moments in the history of society we'll go through this list before we get into Brian Cody at number seven is uh, the Chelsea mascot uh, with Steven Gerrard a few years ago giving him uh, the selling him a pup with the handshake uh, at number six is uh, the creation of Adam by Michelangelo clear under extension also uh, a snub of a handshake then our final snub and at number five is John Terry Wayne Bridge one of the best out and out handshake snubs of all time as we move into actual handshakes. In at number four is Truman Churchill Stalin at the Potsdam Conference, post-war peace, blah, blah, blah. But the main thing here is that it's a three-way handshake, which was a historical moment. Number three is Mick McCarthy, Roy Keane. There has never been post-war peace in Irish football after this moment, really. It was a precursor to one of the most dramatic moments in history. At number two is uh, the Predator handshake, the biggest handshake meme in modern history. Carl Weathers, Arnold Schwarzenegger doing their thing. And at number one is, of course, Brian Cody and Henry Shefflin. Ice cold, shivers down the spine of uh, Henry Shefflin, I thought, but actually Henry Shefflin gives him the old look back after Brian Cody walks away, and I think he handled it pretty well. What were you, what were you feeling? Were you feeling sad when you, when you saw this handshake? Um, I think it's very interesting. I think um, Cody said afterwards, no big deal, but like, if it's no big deal, what's going on? Um, I think Henry Shefflin was like... Well, I, you know, he had been through a lot of emotion in that previous 60 seconds. Like he spoke about thinking about everything that has happened um, to his family and uh, to the wider Galway GA community. And then they score free against his old county, against the manager he won 10 All-Irelands for. And he's like, and it's quick. And then he turns away and then he's dragged back. And then there's a stare and there's something mouthed is there, is there something was there was there something said there was we don't know what it was no and it, uh, I presume it was loud enough to hear but we'll never know unless there's unless everybody's mic'd up uh, or release the footage like we're, like I, I, want, I want to see like is, is the behind four different angles yeah and we, we were only getting a they kind of missed the goal in lifetime did you see that we, they, they missed the they missed the winning the equalising goal for uh, Kilkenny this, the angle was too close and then they pulled out and the ball was in the back of the net and the commentary was like saved and Dagan's gone no it's in the back of the net Marty <laughs> like uh, it's in the back of the net and like oh not saved the sides are level like oh Jesus uh, um, so it was wild it was, it was the wildest end to a match that we're not we're not talking about like, there have been wild ends to all of the Leinster Championship matches with Leinster's like, definitely, hey, hey, everybody, there's a championship over here. It's really good. I realise that you're looking at the Munster Championship and thinking this is a different sport they're playing, but we're really good too. Every single game has ended in some weird thing. Uh, and then the handshake, which is like, um, you know, people are, I think, not making too much of a big deal of it because, as Henry Shefflin points out, this is still sport. We love it, but it's just a game. Uh, there are far more important things in life. And yet, what was Cody at? What was he doing? What do we think? Did he just like maybe lose 
his train of thought. I was like, oh, sorry, just hung in there a little bit too long. But there's definitely a, a like a. a there's a talk. It's it's aggressive. Like it's it's semi aggressive, I think. Again, I just like to see what the, the whole context was. I'd love to see the sideline right beforehand. Like, were they calling each other? Did did somebody turn around, knock out first? You know, there's a, a lot of things that which might seem like an imagined thing, and then afterwards you're in the dressing room. Ah, so sorry, that's it's just a bit. I mean, I was trying to find the referee because I wanted to go and you know have a word with him about what had happened. Like, I I did think it was a free in real time, by the way. Yeah, it, when it, you when it, you watch the slow down replay, like it, it looks like a free if you're just turning around. So you're 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 following the ball, and then you see smack. It's like, did he did he go in through the back of him? Is that legal? I'm not sure. It looks like a free. I'm giving the free. Should have given the free. I think if that's a free at any other point in the game, it's not even a mini talking point. There's like maybe a, a wild, a, a very wild free. murmur from uh, the crowd who's given against. It, like uh, somebody in the Sunday game said, it, it, it was man, ball, and all. If I'm not misquoting, like. That's a free. If, like, if, like, I, um, like I, I, I just, I, I thought for sure I didn't want it to be. I didn't want it to be a free. I wanted, it, I wanted the ref to be like, ah, just blow the full time whistle as a man just gets taken out in, in the middle of the air because I wanted the late goal to mean something. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case, and the ref made the correct decision at the end. And then what a nice call free! Like what a nice call, not close, not like just sneaking in. Yeah, for modern hurlers, it probably it's not a gimme, but it's. Uh, with that pressure, of course, it's not. But it, it should be something that he's he's scoring. Like Kilkenny have notched up a couple of really dramatic late goals that are now going to be lost in time. Nobody will ever remember. Maybe they'll remember the, the Cork one last year. But it feels like it's in the space of you know three, four championship games. They've put together some incredible late salvos, like Cork in the semi-final last year, and then uh, Sunday against Galway, and they lose both games in the end. So there's de- definitely a huge kick in this Kilkenny team. It's just that they, just that they maybe have a bit more quality to be get their noses in front earlier in games. Like it's really, I'd love to see this this matchup again. I'd love to see Cody against Sheffield again for obvious reasons. Like I might, to be honest with you, like my initial thought on the handshake was no big deal. It's in slow motion. Uh, if you played that in real time, it wouldn't be so dramatic. And then there was like a longer clip that came out, and I was like, oh, hold on a minute, this actually is. Yeah, and it actually is kind of something. So I don't know. Like I, what, what my, if there I can be, speculate, there must be fan footage somewhere. Can I speculate wildly here? What I, what I think might have just happened was. Two managers are on the sideline. That late free was pretty controversial. One of the managers might have been like, absolute free. The other one would have been like, absolutely not a free. Yeah. There's a little bit of a disagreement there with expletives thrown in. And then you have to shake each other's hands literally seconds after that. Yeah. And that, uh, you know, that, that is why there was a little bit of tension. Of course, it's the most important handshake in the history of society. But maybe not. Yeah. Either that or the beef is real. That's the other alternative here, is that actually, you yes, know... Yes, no, let's go with beef is real. Uh, I mean, there's that, a, there, the is, there is an alternative point. reality where there's like, uh, these two men drove this thing on. This is Keenan Ferguson. We don't know. Like, this could be Keenan Ferguson. But like... Well, without, without the falling out. Yeah, uh, and also, like, where would, where would the falling out have been? Like, they were on each other's side for the entire thing. Uh, everything we've heard from people within the Kilkenny team would say that Sheffield was one of Cody's favourite people. Well, I mean, Tommy, Wal- well, Tommy Walsh is number one, yeah. but uh, Henry Shefflin was, was a close second. <laughs> yeah, this all makes sense. Well, Tommy, Tommy didn't get picked at the end either, you know? Well, that's true, but I'd, I'd, I'd imagine they'd have a, have a pretty good relationship. So I, I, don't, I don't think that there is a, a deeper sort of thing there, and, uh, but it was, it was just right. a great image. Uh, how is Cork hurling not in the red? The second biggest supported team in the country. You have no idea of the sense of anger from the Cork public down here at the moment.
Uh, and Jared says, lads, I think Claire aren't getting the credit again for beating Cork once again. It's all about how bad Cork were. Well, it's worth talking about this now because there's a couple of other things that are just taking Claire's limelight in, in the green here. Um, obviously, this game, again, kind of lost in time because it wasn't live on terrestrial television on, on Sunday at the same time as the other hurling match. But uh, Clare were, were awesome again, and I think the scoreline put a bit of a gloss on it from Cork's perspective at the end. It seems like, like Cork just can't get their head around what's going on at the moment, that it, it feels like they maybe even have slipped a little bit backwards compared to last year. And, you know, this, this whole notion going into the All-Ireland last year that Cork were the pretenders to the throne and ready to take it. I think that, that notion's taken quite a hammering over the last little while, and there's going to be, I'm not sure I was going to say inquest, but like there will certainly be a lot of noise uh, when they don't get out of this group because it will be a hell of a comeback now from this position for them to get out of this group. It's impossible. It's clo- close to it, yeah. Um, very, very difficult for them at this point. It's like So, but in fairness, they have already got the Limerick fixture out of the way. Clare obviously do have to play Limerick. So, uh, like I think Clare, for people who watch a lot of Clare, will not be the surprise package of the year. But for people who didn't see a lot of Clare in the spring, uh, I think this probably feels like a bit of a surprise. I wouldn't have had them getting out of... It's not impossible, obviously. It's not impossible. Uh, you know, it's still very possible. But, like, uh, can they dig themselves out of the hole they're in? I don't think so. That's what I think is impossible. Un- unless maybe you, like, read into the kick at the end of the game, which suggests that there's, there's still a, a lot of fight in the group, but... Yeah, um, fight in the group, but the game is over, you know? Yeah. Um, like a bit, uh, The game is over at half... Not at halftime, because the... Gap at the end is the same as the halftime gap, but they they just let the gap get too big in the first half. I don't know it's hurling; you score three quick goals, but like you need three quick goals to get yourself back in the game. You've given yourselves an absolute mountain to climb. If you're Limerick, that's fair enough because you know you can do that. But you're not Limerick; you're Cork, who have not won anything for decades now. So I don't know, bit of a disaster. We'll we'll do a deep dive on that this week, I think. Yeah, we will. Uh, we will move on to the green and in second place this week we'll just quickly touch on Ronnie O'Sullivan who won his seventh world title last night. Uh, we were talking about handshakes and uh, embraces his hug with Judge Trump lasted, I want to say 90 seconds to two minutes. It was, it was definitely, it, was like, it? it felt a little, it's like, this is getting uncomfortable now. There's, uh, like what, is is he, uh, was a cover from crying? Was it, I, don't, I don't know, it was, it was nice but it was definitely yeah. like we were watching and going, uh, everybody has come down to join him. His kids are there. Various other uh, members of the extended entourage are there. And it's like, what's going on here? Yeah, Hazel Irvin is doing her bits and she's like, how long am I going to have to fill here for? I'm going to speak to Judd Trump now. Any second now. What, are the, what emotional scenes we're seeing here. Ronnie O'Sullivan's won his seventh. And then she's like, you know, as all commentators do when they're filling, it's like, I have some stats to hand. More centuries in this tournament than we've ever seen before. Blah, 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 blah. What? They're still going? Yeah, it was two, two lads having a DMC in the smoking area is what it felt like for a while. But obviously it was nice and heartwarming as opposed to, you know, um, disgusting, uh, to be honest. And I think he, there was like a sense of Ronnie just getting carried away with how emotional he felt. And it possibly didn't really strike him how emotionally he would feel at the end of this. And... I'm kind of surprised at how sentimental Ronnie was at, at the end of it, which is obviously, again, absolutely brilliant to see because it kind of felt to me for a while in, in his career over the last maybe seven, eight years that you know, he didn't really care about records or, or getting to seven or 
potentially getting to eight, which I think he, he will do at, at some point over the next couple of years. But I think maybe he was just using that as his public pronouncements in a way to try and lessen the pressure on himself and you know the idea of getting carried away at records is never going to lead to, to success. But I think now what's great is that you can quantify Ronnie O'Sullivan as the, the greatest in his sport. Like it, it, it felt as well for a while as if it would be like a Tiger Woods situation where you know Tiger is obviously the best of all time, but he's not going to have the most majors at the end of his career. Kind of felt like Ronnie was going to be in a similar situation Whereas I'm happy that that's not the case anymore. You can say he's got, uh, like, I mean, he's obviously tied at the top now at seven. He will go one clear. But um, but I think you can say, like, I mean, he, he is he is comfortably the greatest of all time. Um, and I, th- I think maybe, the, like, it, it just helps. It just helps when you're having that conversation. There's obviously murkier waters when it comes to, like, the, the tennis conversation, immense tennis at least, about who actually is the greatest of all time. Team sports is a little bit harder to quantify. But I think last night it was a bit of a sigh of relief for people who, have watched Ronnie for his entire career and know that he was always going to go down as, as the best ever. Yeah, I don't know about the Tiger Woods thing. We can come back to that. But you're dead right. Like, uh, I think everybody felt like Ronnie O'Sullivan was the most gifted of this or any other generation and wasn't going to quite reach the level that he could have reached. But he's got there now. And um, I don't know, maybe if Stephen... Stephen Hendry broke his cue. Isn't that what happened to him? Um there was like a magic power associated with his cue and it got broken and he was never the same player again. Yeah. Uh, so who knows? Like, in a, in a, um, on an airplane, wasn't it? Yeah, and the other thing is like uh, Hendry's, Hendry's period, which was kind of boring at the time, but in retrospect was absolutely amazing where you are absolutely dominant the way you are for that period. And it's such a condensed period. Like there's something, there is something truly great in that. And I think somebody matching that, like it took all this time for Ronnie O'Sullivan to match what Stephen Hendry did it elevates Hendry's achievement. Like, and this is always my point with the, the Limerick hurlers need someone to come along and be great at the same time as them for us to go, you are truly one of the all-time great teams. They're already one of the great teams, right? They're a great team. Nothing's ever going to take that away from them. But are they all-time great? We're not sure. They might be, and they're not finished yet. Uh, but there's no doubt Ronnie O'Sullivan, all-time great. Stephen Hendry also, all-time great. Yeah, and, and the rival certainly kind of elevates... Um, elevates anybody to that level and I think Ronnie O'Sullivan probably when he points to Judd Trump last night is like I've just beaten an incredible person in this final uh, like, top of the performance rankings this morning absolutely no prizes for guessing this one it is of course uh, Katie Taylor and there's like a, a billion different things you can say about what happened on Saturday night the thing that's kind of like striking me this morning is that Saturday night at Madison Square Garden kind of feels like uh, a Robbie Brady goal moment, which I didn't see in the flesh, or uh, an Italian 90 moment, which I just kind of wasn't alive for. And it kind of feels like right in that level, one of those that made you really, really want to, to be there or be around for that moment. One of those that if you were in the arena on Saturday night, uh, you'd be banging on about for a long, long time. And rightly so. Um, probably more closer to the point is the fact that it kind of feels like just another Katie Taylor moment. It kind of feels like 2012. It feels like the, the wave of emotion that everybody would have felt when she won a gold medal for Ireland in 2012. And that's just what she does now. She will go down in history as somebody who has a collection of truly historical Irish moments, not just sporting moments, Irish moments, which it's very, very hard to think if there's uh, anybody with a number of them on their CV, just like Katie Taylor does. Maybe you can say like someone like Jack Charlton will be associated with, with those sort of memories uh, over a period of time. But I think Katie Taylor is absolutely in that rarefied company. And again, like, I mean, you can talk about the fight. The fight was absolutely incredible. It was, it was a ridiculous, ridiculous spectacle. And I, I think there, there was this notion that, you know, you go through all the, the tweets and the reaction to it from people who you wouldn't have ordinarily thought of as, as Katie Taylor fans. And I, I think that probably adds to it a little bit. But 
yeah, just a, an incredible night. Very, very jealous of everybody who was there. There's two things, really, in terms of, like, you kind of want her to retire because she's reached the apex again and boxing is such a brutal sport and we're really beginning to learn about the difficulties that people have later in life when you have a number of concussions and each of those punches is a potential concussion. So, like, from a on a personal level for her, you really want her to stop now because there's no more mountains for her to climb. And at the same time, from a sporting perspective, if they were to fight again in Madison Square Garden and then she was to have a homecoming, that would be the type of, like, uh, financial security that very few Irish sports people get. So, you know, th- there's that balance to be struck between uh, what kind of a middle age do fighters have versus the moment. This is the, this is the moment now where there's a crossover here where when you have Dwayne Rock and you're on zone and ESPN are covering it, it's like a new level of uh, superstardom in the United States where they're talking about this is saving boxing. So um, big opportunities for her and hopefully their endorsement opportunities as opposed to fight opportunities that she can make the bank from that. But um, yeah, an incredible achievement really. To And the comeback victory as well is the other aspect of that, that like you, you tough it out and you win through um, moments of real physical exhaustion is um, is so incredible. So, Do you think she was done? Uh, I mean, at various stages in the past, there have been bits in fights where you're like, oof, I don't know. And then it's like always comes back, always comes back. So um, this was a level above, though, anything that maybe totally, yeah. put her through. Yeah. Like I, I was full sure she was finished, like absolutely. I just thought it was like any punch now she she's going down. And I think maybe when we kind of like have, have had analysts on over the last little while talking about Katie Taylor, it's like, does she have... Um, the power to, to knock an opponent out and I think maybe we probably underappreciated a little bit given maybe she's been so dominant in so fights the fact that she is so hard to knock out herself and uh, again it's just not something that we've seen her in a position to too much because she's she's clearly uh, the greatest so it's very very hard to, to, to find out when she's in that position but she was in that position on Saturday night and maybe she maybe she hadn't felt what maybe she didn't know herself how she would stand up to, to that sort of pressure until Saturday night like I'm I'm sure that most of her sparring partners weren't putting as much pressure on her as Amanda Serrano was on on Saturday night. So, yeah, I thought I thought she was dust, but that just adds to the whole craziness of the of the night. The Star reporting this morning that the cops have said that um, if they want to fight in Croker, they can fight in Croker. The security threat, uh, based on the uh, Kit uh, Kutch Hutch feud, is over or diminished to the point where it wouldn't be an issue. You do that now, though. You, you're thinking another Garden fight and then back well, to them. Yeah, yeah, because the the time is going to it, it needs to be, be winter. It needs to be twelve o'clock at night for a U, uh, U.S. audience if you're going to do serious pay per view numbers. Um, why, like, why though? What, like, I mean, I mean, the Fury fight was on at what time the previous week? Um, was it? Like, was, that, was that was at our time? Like, yeah. and I mean, Klitschko Joshua. I remember was that definitely our, like all the UK fights are are at our time. So why would an Irish fight have to go go later? Well, I don't know. I I just. I think that like the Fury fight, Fury is more established selling pay-per-views. Um, maybe it wouldn't be pay-per-view, would it? In the States, it would just be on uh, the it's subscription. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think that like if they can... Well, I, to be honest, I think that if she can get through one more fight uh, at this level and then come home and have a, a homecoming against somebody who's easy... Like that would be the. the you want to sell tickets, though. I mean, if it's if it's Taylor Serrano, you have people who will want to fly to Dublin to watch that fight, not just Irish people. 
And I think that you've got to capitalise on what happened at the weekend by getting this thing turned around pretty soon. I think that, like, it's... I'm not sure. I, th I, I think this was a, a brilliant, brilliant sporting event and people want to see this again. And as I just said, we all missed out. We all have FOMO because we weren't in the garden. Uh, anybody who wasn't there will be like, OK, got to get a ticket for this. I, th I, I just think marketing-wise, I think in terms of her career, I think it just makes sense to do this thing now. I hadn't realised that I actually hadn't seen that line about the, the, the security threat because I just assumed it was still maybe pie-in-the-sky stuff to suggest that Ireland could host a boxing fight. I don't, I don't think so. I think, I think most of that is over for now. 12 minutes past eight, that's this week's performance rankings. OTBAM's performance rankings with Gillette. OTBAM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.